This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. Welcome to Raw Beauty Talks. I'm your host, Erin Trelor. Ready to peer behind the highlight reel and all those polished pictures of the world's biggest influencers and wellness experts? We're going to uncover what beauty, health, and wellness truly means in today's world. As someone who really struggled with disordered eating and negative body image, I became a health coach because I'm passionate about redefining health and wellness so that it's less about the weight on the scale and more about how we feel. Let's pull back the curtain for some raw beauty talks. Put up your hand if you have ever been through a heartbreak. I'm putting up my hand right now. Ooh! painful. Heartbreak is painful. Am I right? Like I just remember I had my heart broken a number of times, (laughs) not necessarily even by people I truly loved, but just like relationships that didn't work out. And you have this idea of how they should be or what they look like. And it doesn't actually match up in reality, but it's still so painful when it ends. So today's episode is for anybody who's ever experienced heartbreak, especially if you're healing from heartbreak right now. But to be honest, I'm a happily married woman, and I took a lot from this episode. Healing is healing. Grief is grief. And so if you are a human being, there is something in this episode today. But before we dive into today's conversation, my feed is blowing up with Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. We are days, no, one day after the Super Bowl, so to be expected. But I gotta say something about I gotta say something about all of, of this Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey relationship stuff because everybody's talking about it right now, and there seems to be just a lot of hate towards Taylor from a lot of different people because she is showing up on media everywhere right now. And a lot of people are saying this is football and why, why is she everywhere? And why is she at the games? I mean, it's her boyfriend who's playing, but I just want to take a moment to acknowledge the fact that whatever you think about Taylor's talent or, and also I love that I'm calling her Taylor, like we're friends, but Regardless, whatever you feel about her music or her writing, there is a common reoccurrence with highly successful females in Hollywood and in media, where what we notice is that as they reach higher and higher levels of success, the media begins to show them more because 
it results in clicks. As the media shows them more and more, people become more opinionated as to whether or not they like this individual. And more conversation begins about of them. People start being mean because they're sitting behind their keyboards and they feel like they can say anything. We see the individual so much that our own biases, our own insecurities start to come out and we begin to, and this is scientifically proven, not like them as much. There have been so many women over the years who have been canceled because of this, uh, who have been shamed, who have been turned upon. And so I just really want everyone to take a moment to step back for a second and to really ask, is she doing anything harmful? Is she doing anything wrong? I would never classify myself as a Swifty, but I think I'm becoming one because my daughter is one now. And I'm so happy to have somebody like Taylor Swift for Brooklyn to look up to because in general, she's incredible and she's talented and she's hardworking and she's kind. I mean, at this point, it really feels like people are just waiting for her to do anything wrong to tear her down. And I want to remind you that when we have females like Beyonce and Margot Robbie and uh, Taylor Swift, who are at the top of the top in Hollywood, that it is good for all of us. They're breaking ceilings. They're making changes. They're allowing space for women to be boldly successful while also in their feminine. I mean, I am all for it. If Taylor is getting shown at a football game. I am down. I am happy about it. That is personally my opinion. When one woman rises up, she literally is opening the door for other women to rise up to. And Taylor's always got her girls by her side. She's always making sure other people have visibility as well. I'm here for it. I'm personally here for it. I am too also bored of seeing just the two of them on my feed, but there are way worse things that could be showing up on our feed and that our kiddos could be following. Travis does need some anger management therapy, I would say. I talked to Scott a lot about this. I understand that in sports games, emotions can get high and uh, there's like an intense amount of energy coming up. But his anger that was spewed at his coach, if you haven't seen the clip, you can look it up. It felt icky, but also, I don't know. I'm back to Taylor. She's amazing. Let's all stay supportive of other women. The pandemonium is going to die down. Don't click on the images if you'd like to see less of it. Remember that the algorithm is going to just give you more of what you're clicking on. <laughs> You've got this. Let's keep cheering for one another as women. Cheering, cheering, cheering. Lifting them all up. All the girls in all the ways. Okay? All right. Let's heal some heartbreak now. Claire Burns is the resident heartbreak coach for Kourtney Kardashian's lifestyle site, Poosh, after experiencing her own debilitating breakup from a cheating narcissist, her words, not mine, she found the love of her life and turned the tireless process of healing from heartbreak into a simple formula that helps women stop wanting Mr. or Miss Wrong and find someone better. 
I feel like this episode's so fitting given that we're releasing it on Valentine's Day week. And as I said earlier, even if you're married or in a relationship, there is something here for you because oftentimes I think when we've gone through heartbreak, even when we find a new partner, we can carry it into that relationship. So Claire and I talk a lot about the things that we experienced in our own past relationships, how they showed up in our new relationships today, how we healed from those past breakups. And I know you're going to take so much from this episode. All right, Claire, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. And it still gets me emotional talking about it, not in the sense of like, oh, I was so heartbroken, but that really and truly, it was the greatest pain that I've ever experienced emotionally to date. I'm now turning almost 43 in a few days. And, you know, to be here today on the other side of multiple heartbreaks, but mainly my rock bottom heartbreak at 29 and 30 years old, and to make a career out of it. And really, I felt like a soul calling to do something about this because back in 2010, 2011, there really wasn't much out there. I was living in New York City at the time. I was always going into Barnes and Noble thinking, oh, maybe in the self-help section, they'll have something new. (laughs) And, you know, people weren't talking about it. And then I found myself heartbroken again, seven years later, in 2017. And I had already become a life coach. So I was already on a soul searching journey because of moving through a couple of heartbreaks. I was an actress. So I always kind of had this hippie lifestyle and always into the, you know, woo woo things. And I know maybe woo woo isn't exactly the greatest word to use today. But um, I started to really lean in and go inward. I had become a yoga teacher. And I was searching again for something else, Erin, just like, oh, here I am heartbroken again. What else is out there? And there again, wasn't much. And because as I just said, I was a life coach. I was fascinated about this self-help journey. I was curious and I looked up heartbreak coach and there was some random article, but it was very old. And I was like, oh, this is a person who's a heartbreak coach, but it seemed like they dabbled and then it fell to the wayside. And I was like, wait a second. It was just one of those light bulb moments that you hear people say, I'm like, I have been through multiple heartbreaks. Here I am now, like 36 or 37 years old. Maybe this is my journey, my job, my soul calling to not only figure out how to heal myself, but figure out how to help other people like me, because I know so many people go through it all the time. Oh, I mean, I've certainly been through it, been through heartbreak. Even my husband and I took a break after, I mean, I think it was like only eight months into our relationship was so painful. And then like, we've all been there. We've all had are are heartbroken. You mentioned that there was this like one big heartbreak. Can you tell us a little bit about that relationship and that heartbreak? Yes. So we're now 13 years out. It was the week before my 30th birthday. Here we are the week before my 43rd birthday. I had been dating this guy for eight or nine months and I knew him before. He had been he was in a relationship with someone else. Just to paint the picture, it was New York City. We were all actors, very incestuous theater circle. But I had gone to LA and came back and I always got this vibe that he was into me, but I also always got the vibe that he was a player and treated the woman he was with very poorly. 
but he always just seemed very nice to me. And I have an Irish Catholic background and upbringing. So did he, there seemed to be this like connection and sense of humor and we got each other. And so I just thought, F it, here he is. I had already just gotten my heart broken like a year before and felt very raw and vulnerable coming back to New York. It was right after the economy crashed. And so most of my commercial money was drying up. So I, be- I was training to become a yoga teacher. And I was just in this very, I'm painting this picture because I was in this very vulnerable state personally and professionally. And here was this guy who I knew for a while and who told me it was different with me and that he had been in love with me for several years. And it killed him to see me with this other guy. And he had to have me and he wanted forever with me. And I know it sounds crazy, but I just know you're it for me and I want to marry you and I want a future with you and all the things that everybody wants to hear. And, you know, he wasn't so hard on the eyes. He was a good looking guy. And I was like, maybe this was supposed to be it. I also think too, and I tend to coach a lot of women in their late twenties and early thirties. It's a time where a lot of people are feeling pressured to settle down. So a lot of my friends were getting married and, you know, I was like kind of all caught up in like now should be the time, even though professionally and financially, I was not in a place to settle down or even think about planning, you know, a family with somebody, but I was just caught up in what I thought should be. And my gut just started to say a few months in something's not right. Sometimes I can't get a hold of him. There's something shady going on. Now, again, late 20s, I'd been in other relationships. And I was like, I never really worried about cheating, you know? And then I just started fishing and smelling and asking and getting weird answers that just didn't add up. And it was the week before my 30th birthday and I was in his apartment where I was staying as well. And I just took a little peek on his computer and found exactly what every fear I had was going on. He was like sex emailing with um, an ex of his and then again, just like fell apart. He sucked me back in. I misinterpreted what he was saying. And I was so desperate, Aaron. And I don't say this with any shame now. I say it with so much compassion for my 30-year-old self. I was just so desperate for love and for him to be what he promised me to be. So I went back. And this is the cycle between a narcissist and an empath. And I know heartbreak happens not just with people who I think are narcissistic because you know, one could argue, but he checks off all the boxes and all the research that I've done. This is what they do. They they value you and then they put you down. They devalue you and then they discard you and then they suck you back in. And so that was a cycle that we did for several months. While it turned out he wasn't even dating that woman, he was like having sex emails with. He was actually dating another woman who I knew simultaneously, who he got a dog with. But he told me that he got the dog, like she helped him get the dog. That's why her name was on the papers. I mean, it's so like you would think, oh, I cringe and it's embarrassing now. But because of all the healing work I've done, I'm like, yeah, it happened to me, too. It happens to a lot of people. And then we go, oh, my God, I thought I was smarter than this. I feel so dumb. I feel so stupid. And so I went through all of those emotions on top of the betrayal and the shock and the pain and the rejection and the abandonment and the lies and the smear campaigning of my name, because then he starts telling everyone what a crazy bitch I am. And I did go crazy. I lost my mind. I was like a shell of a person, which of course affected how I was treating my body physically. I was 10 pounds underweight and it was just 
such a disaster mental, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. And I just didn't know which way was up. And honestly, the recovery of that took, I, you know, I think two years in the sense that I didn't date again and I was really stuck and I was really unhealthy and I couldn't let it go. And I was ruminating and I was brutal to be around my loved ones. I definitely sabotaged some friendships. I was working through it as best I could. I tried a few therapists in New York City. They were terrible. Not to say therapy is terrible. There are amazing therapists out there. Um, But I just couldn't find anyone good. Went to LA, found an amazing therapist and started to date again, but kept attracting unavailable men who were never as horrific as that guy. But like, there were still more lessons for me to learn that by the time I got to 2017 and that last heartbreak, I said that I have to do something different because I know I'm a good person. I know I have a lot to offer, but I know I have wounds myself. And I know I'm the common denominator here who keeps attracting these situations and relationships that bring up so much pain for me. And I was also around people in amazing relationships. And I knew that that was out there for me, but there was something that wasn't clicking for me that kept me attracting these really painful situations, which ultimately came to my relationship with myself, which then I carved out a lot of time and space to just date me. I didn't care that I was in my late 30s. I was like, this is just going to keep happening Mm -hmm. until I figure out my own relationship with me, which again, you think you know you're doing the work on yourself. But if you keep attracting these situations, it's not to negate the work that you're doing, but there is something else going on that you just have to keep showing up to figure out and it may cost you a few more heartbreaks. And that was another thing that I decided because I knew I really wanted love. And I just decided I was willing to get heartbroken again and again and again until I figured it out, both the relationship with myself and finding that epic partnership to share with someone for the rest of my life. Oh, I just love this story so much. And I feel like it just takes me back as I'm listening to my own heartbreaks and my own patterns as well before meeting my husband, Scott. I'm so curious in your bio, I believe you have this beautiful line that I loved where you, you said that you were addicted to your ex because he was giving you an external source of love. You didn't know how to give yourself. Mm -hmm. So when you look back at all of the work that you've done and this journey that you went on with yourself, was that the linchpin that you ultimately like didn't know how to love yourself? And so you were constantly looking to these other individuals? Yes. And it was very confusing to me because, you know, as an actor, (laughs) I've been in a lot of acting classes and I've worked a lot of different acting jobs where you meet a lot of different people and you hear these stories of people who you think have it all and look the part and then they're committing suicide, they're ODing, they're super depressed, right? And so it's this weird, not that I ever was like super famous or that level of success, but I had a lot going for me. So in my mind, I was like, I'm good. I like me. I'm chasing my dreams. Like, I don't think I was trying to lie to myself, but I made like me pursuing my dream to define that I loved myself. So I I was kind of like, huh. And I also had really good friends. My parents lived 35 minutes north of Manhattan. I had them as a home base, great support. I mean, when the first email that I checked came in, my dad drove in in a snowstorm to pick me up and helped me move out. I mean, there's a lot of love there. 
so those are the parts where I'm like, oh, I love myself, right? But then as I started to dig a little deeper and look at all the different areas of my life, I was terrible to my body. I never thought I was, as an actor and as a model, never thin enough, never pretty enough. There was always a problem area. I was totally over drinking and numbing my emotions, then burning all of that at the gym the next day to the point that, of course, I started to have all these health issues. And I was not financially well. I was, you know, kind of living hand to mouth, feast and famine. I never thought I was talented enough. I thought every job I booked or didn't book defined my work as an actor. And yeah, when it came to a man, I mean, here's the deal. I love my parents so much, but we, I grew up with Irish parents. They grew up in the forties and fifties in Ireland and we lived there when we were younger. And so it's very much the American culture to be like, honey, baby, I love you so much. You're doing so great. But like they weren't, ver- their, their, their love language was not words of affirmation <laughs> and their love language was not physical touch. So in my romantic relationships, I was told I was the most beautiful with this guy. I mean, he, no one had expressed themselves the way that this guy had expressed himself to me. I'm the most beautiful and that he'd been pining for me for years. And now he finally got me. And yeah, he was a shitty partner to the girl before him, but I was different. And the talent he thought that I had, and he was an actor and we'd work on our auditions together and he got me and he understood me and he just knew all the right things to say and do. And I didn't really have that before. I mean, I had a little in other relationships, but this was like a drug I had never tried before that I did not want to lose. So then obviously when you lose that drug, it is so painful. And in any relationship, when it ends, there's often grief there. There's often pain. There's often heartbreak. Even if you're the one who ends the relationship, it can feel incredibly challenging and hard to lose a friend, to lose friendships that are there, all of the things. Where do you even begin in recovering? Such a good question. Healing grief, whether it's the loss of a loved one passing on or a pet or the loss of a friendship or even a job or money for your survival or or a romantic partnership, right? Your your grief journey is such a personal one and there's going to be different tools. Um, Nothing's one size fits all, but One of the first steps that I really enforce, if you will, on my clients in the most gentle but firm way is letting yourself grieve, letting yourself fall apart, creating like a beautiful sacred space and time to consciously process the grief. So I was doing that part. The piece that was missing for me, which is was really such a game changer for me by the time 2017 came around and I was already a life coach, was learning how to change the story, right? Like I just believed he left me, he cheated on me. I wasn't worthy. I did something bad. I drove him to it. What does she have that I don't have? Then mad at him, then blaming him, right? You blame him, then you blame yourself. Then you want to bargain, you want to get him back and you want to figure it out and all the different tactics that you do in your brain, right? But The game changer for me then to cut to my last heartbreak, it better be the last I'm engaged (laughs) now to the man of my dreams, 
really learning how to change the story about me and my worth in the relationship, my value in the relationship, even when I mess up, even when I say the terrible thing, even when I overreact, even when I'm sad. And that's not to give me a free pass, right? We, we have to take responsibility for how we show up in our relationships, but not making it mean that I'm less lovable, that I'm less worthy, that I'll never find anyone because I, I'm an empath. I'm a big feeler. I'm a deep feeler. And I'm also a fiery Irish woman. So I'm not for everybody. Right. But like I made it mean that I was unlovable and that I wasn't attractive enough and all these things. And then I started to step back and I'm like, okay, here are the ways I wasn't perfect. And I can own that and I can live and learn from that. And I can process that. And I can understand where that's coming from. And over here, this is how he was showing up. And there was a lot of mixed messaging and there was a lot of big words that didn't line up with actions. And I'm really now referencing my last heartbreak, but for sure my my rock bottom heartbreak as well, right? But it was like, that was when I started to click with, okay, I wasn't great, but neither was he. And actually neither were we together. And that doesn't negate the pain. That doesn't negate the grief that doesn't negate the spiral in the brain, but I can actually, once I process the grief, right, still praying, falling apart, breathing, locating the emotional pain in the body, but then carving out the time to be like, all right, well, we're not together. That sucks. But if we're not together, what's the meaning that I want to make out of it? Do I want to keep making that I'm not lovable, that I'll never find my person? Or do I want to learn the lesson and keep showing up and keep loving on me regardless of who stays or goes. Okay. So three things that you just mentioned that I heard. One is carving out space to really allow yourself to grieve in whatever way feels right to you. It's such a personal process. The second thing that you mentioned really quickly that I want to touch on more is you said you've got to get into the body and actually feel that wound, feel that pain point. I don't think a lot of people know how to do that if you're not into coaching or somatic work. So I'd love to touch on that a little bit more. And then the third piece is to really notice what beliefs has this breakup brought up like what what is coming to the surface because I found in breakups that I made the story was all about me not being enough it was I'm not pretty enough I'm not smart enough I was too much I need too much I was asking too much I'm not special enough and my pattern before meeting Scott was also these highly unavailable usually more artistic men who were uh, actors, models, who were never in Vancouver. They would come in, it would be like explosive, so amazing. And then they would be gone and who knows what they were doing. And I would just be so caught up in trying to quote unquote, win them over. And so it became this chase, this energy of like chasing, wanting, and creating stories in my mind that weren't even reality about what the relationship was. And so, you know, all of this, <laughs> as you say it out loud, as I'm saying it out loud, I'm like, that sounds so crazy. But it it is like these relationships can make you crazy. And it, there's so much to learn in that. And the reality is I I didn't love myself at the time. I was looking for these individuals who had fame 
or money or lots of other women around them to find me as the diamond in the rough to prove to myself that I was enough. And it was futile. Ultimately, it took me in exactly the opposite direction of feeling more not enough, <laughs> feeling crazy and, and sabotaging relationships that really where the person really was into me, you know? Yes. I relate everything that you just said. To circle back to what you just said, there were three things about, you know, moving through the grief. So carving out space and time, right? And then feeling into the body that this wound. And and so I agree with you. A lot of people don't know what that means. So here, here is what it means to me. It means going on the internet and finding a plethora of mindfulness meditation of just learning how to sit, pause, be still, breathe, find someone whose voice is soothing to you. I highly recommend Tara Brock, B as in boy, R-A-C-H. She also wrote an incredible book called Radical Acceptance. If you go on tarabrock.com, she has so many meditations, all of different lengths, and a lot of them are very similar where she just teaches you to be in your body and breathe and find stillness and allow whatever emotions come up. Now, I'm going to say something really high horsey and it might sound condescending. I think that that sounds very simple. Does that sound simple to you? (laughs) The instruction, the instruction. Instruction sounds simple. Yeah. Yes. And so I cannot tell you how many people, because I've been doing this now for seven years, Erin, they're like, but what does that mean? What does that look like? I don't get it. And the reason why I'm saying this, and it sounds like judgy, and it's not at all. I get why it's hard to understand what it is, but I want you to just like, this is why I'm saying it in this way. Many people in the thick of their grief keep choosing confusion so that they don't have to actually do the thing. That's what I've realized. Because I'm like, we just talked about this last week. I've been telling you this for the last six months. And they're like, but, but, so when you say mindfulness meditation, like they want to just keep like being in their head and talking about doing it or learning more about it because they think they need to do it, right? Just show up and plug in the meditation and feel it. It It sucks. Because you are literally being like, hi, grief, where are you? Oh, that's where you are. What's the shape? What's the feeling? Can I name the feeling? Can I name the sensation? Can I name the emotion associated with the the sensation? And it, it is not simple because it's very uncomfortable, but it is as simple as just showing up and your brain will wander off and your brain will resist. And you will want to just get off your mat or your pillow or your meditation block. You don't even have to sit down and do that perfectly. Sometimes I just meditate on my couch and put a blanket over me and prop up a pillow and lean back. It's like you get to make it as physically comfortable as possible. It doesn't have to look perfect. What to me is perfect is just showing up and being willing to look at what is happening in your body. And if the tears come, let them come. You know, it's like, this is what processing negative emotion is. And I can't, I'm so glad that you asked me to speak on it more because it really is like the key and, and changing the story, which I say happened later, right. Changing the story about you and the other person in the relationship is very powerful, but it won't work if you're not willing to move through the bodily sensations and regulate your nervous system. 
over and over and over again. It is a consistent practice, the most powerful and like literally the, like the most affordable, it's free gift you can give yourself is go inward and check in and feel your emotions and not judge them and breathe with them and process them and allow them and meet yourself compassionately where you're at every single day. And it will diffuse. It will go away. But you've got to trust the practice. You've got to commit. You've got to stay consistent. And you have to trust yourself that you can do it. 100%. I agree that it is very hard to change the story or narrative in your mind the thinking mind that always wants to stay busy. It's very difficult to change that when your nervous system is dysregulated or there are these deep wounds in the body. You always have to start with the body. And when you notice that your mind is really getting caught on a thought or an idea, whether it's a breakup or food body image that we're talking about, that's the invitation to go into the body and to see what's happening in the body. So always look at it as like a little beacon. It's like time to go back to the mat. There's actually nothing to figure out here in your mind right now. It's all happening inside. And the way we, we do that work is we just get quiet and we get still and we sit with compassion and non-judgment with whatever is. And as Claire said, it will start to break apart starts to dissipate like a wave. It might get stronger at first, but then on the other side, it starts to crash down. And it's, it's non-linear, right? Like some days you're going to be like, oh, this felt like a coming home to myself. And then maybe, you know, you have a dream about your ex or someone gives you information about them moving on, or you just like, there's no rhyme or reason. You're just overcome with a wave of loneliness and longing. And then the brain wants to say, this isn't working. I've been meditating and I've been going inward like Claire, the heartbreak coach and Aaron are saying, (laughs) and you know, I just really invite you to think about being patient. The work is just being kind and patient with yourself. Right. And another, and speaking of patience, then this has been going on for too long. I should be over this person by now. And it's like, you should be exactly where you are and keep meeting yourself there over and over and over again. If you are in that state where you're in a relationship and you're feeling a little crazy, like we were talking about, feeling like, am I overthinking things? Is this my intuition? Because as well, when we're anxious, my experience has been that it's very hard to know, is this intuition or is this mm-hmm. anxiety? Paranoia. Paranoia. Do you have any tips or advice for people who are maybe in the relationship and at that stage that you and I have both been in where you're like, something's off, but I don't know. Is it just me? Who's overthinking this? Where, where do you begin in having that deeper sense of knowing? Well, I can say like being in my most ideal relationship now where there's just like innate trust yeah, sometimes my brain will be like, oh, but well, what if he did? Because I think also trauma can be re-triggered in the body and live in the body and rear its ugly head when you least expect it. But really now I'm four and a half years in with him and planning forever with him. And and so to speak from someone in that situation, which I think you are as well, if I started thinking that my partner was being shady and every time I asked him where he was, that he wasn't really giving me an answer or he was taking a long time to respond or if he was giving me an answer and it didn't add up, 
I don't think I've ever said this on a podcast before, but like, go find out if you think like, you know, and and will you be humbled? Right. But like, that's the only time I've ever checked and I found it. Right. So I can't tell someone who's listening if they're right or they're wrong, but if you're, you know, asking the questions and something's not adding up and maybe you talk to some friends who maybe know your partner and like, you've been kind of in it and spiraling and second guessing, like, and then you don't feel like you're getting that answer. Like go find out, you know, because the worst that can happen is that you're right, but then you know, and then you can do something about it or you're really humbled and you recognize, okay, there's something else going on here that I need to figure out in terms of trusting my partner. But, you know, Erin, I have clients now who've come to me heartbroken. Then I move through the finding love process with them. I still have clients who are in their ideal relationship. They haven't left me because all this stuff comes up in their ideal relationship about insecurities and what's the future and he's really busy, but is it true that he's really busy or is it that he doesn't want to be with me, right? All this stuff comes up, which also came up for me with Larry when I first started dating him, my fiance. And when we talk it out, I know the difference between an unavailable person and an available person who just has a lot going on. And a lot of the time, these clients of mine who are in their ideal relationships, they're like, but this happened and this happened. And I'm like, have you talked to your boyfriend about it? Have you told him how you're feeling? And they're like, oh, I'm afraid if I do, it'll be too much. And, da, da, da. and so we just, you know, that's what I love about working with someone, whether it's a coach or a therapist or whoever, someone that you trust that, you know, can help you parse out. Am I imagining things? Is, am I, you know, making mountains out of molehills or is something not right here? So work it out with yourself first, but then if shit is shady, go find out. Yeah. I remember going into my relationship with Scott and I had so much insecurity. I mean, I had been dating these unavailable people where it was like heartbreak after heartbreak and I had been cheated on with two people I was in a relationship with. So my story was all men cheat and I can't trust my intuition because I'd been cheated on and then stayed in that relationship for a couple of years, kind of always questioning and then found out later. So I just didn't trust myself. I didn't trust men. I started dating Scott and he was this like good looking, confident guy, but also someone who had strong moral values. And yet my mind was just still wounded. My body and mind were still wounded. And this caused a lot of disruption early on in our relationship because he couldn't understand where I was coming from. And then he made a couple of errors along the way where he did connect for lunch with an ex and didn't tell me about it until two weeks later. And that was just like, so traumatizing to me. I mean, he told me in a safe space, I freaked the F out, like freaked out, left the apartment, was like, this is over. I hate you. Like, it was just, everything was just so blown out of proportion. We ended up ending things because of this, basically, not because of that one moment, but because he didn't feel like I trusted him and I didn't feel like I could fully trust him. But after some time apart, during that time apart, I really found my footing and started Raw Beauty Co., my company. I found something that I was passionate about, something that I was good at, something where I was giving back, and I started to find my voice. And so it was an incredibly powerful period of time for me. Scott, on the other hand, 
couldn't stop thinking about me. And he says, it was the first time where I was like, I should be able to like move on by now. What is happening? And he was like, Brick, I think I really love this girl. He also hadn't been able to express that to me yet. Now I felt that I immediately knew when I loved somebody within one week, I was like, I'm in love with them. No, it's infatuation. But I was like, it's been six months. If this guy doesn't know yet, then I'm out of here. So he had that time as well to, to realize, shoot, like, I love this girl. So he ended up coming back pretty strong. And I came back being much more strong in who I was and in my own sense of strength and confidence and self-love ultimately. And from that space, our relationship was completely different. He was really able to meet me and help me to feel safe and help me to feel understood. And I felt confident enough in myself to say, this is what's happened in the past. This is what I'm coming to this relationship with. And either we do the healing and growing together, or it's not going to be the right fit. It's been a completely different relationship. And the only reason I'm telling this story is because every relationship is so nuanced. And I think when you're in a healthy relationship, it doesn't mean that the insecurities don't come up or that the wounds aren't triggered, but you figure out and feel safe working through them together. 100 percent. And for those who are listening who are heartbroken and they're like, I want him to come back just like Scott came back to Aaron, right? Of course you do. And I hear you. And that was me many times. But the only way two people can come back together for it to really work out, in in my opinion, is you set each other free and you do some work on yourself. And then because I remember my last heartbreak, it was so sudden and abrupt and people were like, oh, he's definitely coming back. And I was like, I don't think he is because he told me every single person I've broken up with, I've never gone back. And by the way, I've broken up with everyone. So I was like, guys, I don't think he's coming back. And he never did. But I remember saying to myself, if he were to come back, I really would have needed him to have gone through an F ton of therapy. And I would know if he was different or if he wasn't different. Because my rock bottom ex sucked me in so many times. And I was working with a Reiki healer at the time. And and I was like, oh, my God, he just called. He wants to talk. And she was like, I really just want you to hear what he's saying. And what he said was nothing different. Like, I was like, how are things going to be different? How are you going to show up differently? What he's like, I don't know. I don't know. I just all I know is that like, without you, it's like masochism to me. He he literally had another girlfriend (laughs) at the same time, right? So it would be lovely for the person you're pining for to return. But just know if it's not what happened for Aaron and Scott, there really is the like, just keep doing what Aaron did. And like, you know, find something that lights you up. You know, I was a coach during that relationship in 2017. But I was also still building the business. And I was a personal assistant. And I was kind of like, I don't know. I can honestly say I was waiting for opportunities to come more than going after them in the way that I did that led me to the business that I have now. So it may not be for anyone listening, you know, starting a podcast like you and I have or, you know, businesses or health and wellness businesses. But what is what is lighting you up? If you thought about you living to your maximum potential, regardless of what romantic partner is or isn't in it? Like, what would you do? What would you go out and chase? 
And then for me, that was it. It's like waking up with a sense of purpose that wasn't like, oh my God, did he text? I mean, amen, honestly. Find your voice, find your values, use this moment to get really clear on who you are. The more that we're focused on other people, whether we're comparing ourselves with another woman or we're caught up on our ex or we're focused on what he or she is doing over on Instagram, the less time we have to really get to know ourselves. And there's so much power, so much confidence, so much strength in doing that. When you know yourself, when you understand what makes you tick, when you start to align with what you are passionate about, you will also become a magnet for your ideal partner. When you know yourself and you're standing in your most authentic self, the person that you attract will also be attracted to that authentic self, not some version of yourself that's diluted and constantly trying to shape shift into what everyone else wants you to be. Be you. Be you. So beautifully said, Erin. And I just also have to add in that, you know, Larry and I definitely had some hard times in the beginning of our relationship too. And it was like the way we moved through them and the way that he showed up and his patience with like the things that were coming up for me, but also in the way that I was able to express myself, Mm -hmm. you know, I was able to articulate or sometimes I felt so triggered and so frozen in my nervous system. I was just shutting down and I could say, I'm shutting down and I'm not trying to, this is the physical reaction that I'm having. I want to just pause and be able to articulate my thoughts so that I don't say the wrong thing. I mean, even that I was like, I used to be like, (laughs) and by the way, four and a half years later, I mean, if Larry was listening to this now, he'd be like, we used to do a lot of, (laughs) but I'm way better than what I was, you know, of course. So then there's also the component of yeah, we do all this work on ourselves and we heal our past trauma and we want to be our best selves and then attract our best partner, but also find someone who's going to love me unconditionally and not reject me for my weaknesses and my reactions, right? And and the same way that I'm not going to reject him for his. So much growth. I mean, relationships are not easy. They are kind of constantly having to come home to yourself also tending to the needs of someone else, to people bringing in their own past and history and trauma. So often they can become really romanticized through media. We talk a lot about media and the impact it has on us, the stories that we create. So I'm just so grateful to you for coming here and sharing your raw, honest truth and a story that I know will touch so many. Uh, It's really bringing me back in so many ways, thinking about my own relationships over time and this relationship that I'm in right now, which feels so safe and so secure. And I want that for everyone, but I can't say it enough. I really found this relationship when I did the work myself and when I really came home to myself. So Claire, where can everybody find you and where, yeah, where's the best place to connect? I am at Claire, the heartbreak coach on Instagram, C-L-A-I-R-E. I also have a podcast called Stop Wanting Him Back and Find Someone Better. It's for all genders. I just use heteronormative pronouns because of my own experience with heartbreak and finding the man of my dreams. And then ClaireTheHeartbreakCoach.com. There's three ways you can work with me. I have a course. 
I have a group program. It's anonymous and you can work with me one-on-one and I have openings for all of them currently as we speak in 2024, February, 2024. Amazing. Okay. Awesome. I will link to all of those. Claire, thank you again. Thank you, Erin. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. Please take a moment to rate, review, or follow on your favorite podcast app and share this episode with someone that you think could benefit. Join the Raw Beauty Talks community at Raw Beauty Talks. And remember, it's your story, your body, your mind, and your journey. So think about what resonates with you and leave the rest behind. I'll see you next week.